Are you worried about something today? Pastor John Randall suggests do a little bird watching. The reason why you ought not to worry, and I think this is so significant, is that you are valued by God. Jesus points to his creation. He says, look at the ravens. They neither toil nor spin, and, and yet God provides for these birds. Aren't you of more value than these birds, is what he says. And the answer to that question is absolutely. You are of more value to the Lord than a bird. And if God cares for these birds, he's going to care for you. Hey, do yourself a favor. Grab some binoculars and go bird watching. Just check out the birds for a while and see what happens. See if they're stressing. See if they're anxious. They're not. Today on A Daily Walk, Pastor John Randall will return to a study of Luke's gospel by taking us to chapter 12. You know, we all experience worry from time to time. In fact, some of us are Olympic class worriers, but it never gets us anywhere except into trouble. So today on A Daily Walk, Pastor John Randall will show us that when anxiety attacks, we can counterattack. The anecdote for anxiety is found in Luke chapter 12. Why don't you find your place there now and learn how to eliminate worry from your life? There is this delusive nature that is attached and accompanies covetous living. We are easily deceived into thinking that my life does consist in the abundance of the things that I possess. If I really want to have a life, if I really want to experience all that life is, it must be in much more that I possess. And again, let me say, having money, that's not a problem. There's a lot of wealthy people in the Bible even. That's not the problem. The problem is when money has you. The problem is when it's not having riches, it's trusting in them. It's living for them. There's nothing wrong with material possessions unless they get a hold of you and they possess you. When they become your passion, when they become your idol, when they become your God, that is when you have crossed over and there is a great problem with that for you shall not put any other gods before you. The word that Jesus uses, by the way, here for life is the Greek word zoe. And it is an interesting word. It means everything that makes life worth living. Everything that makes life worth living can't be found ultimately in what a person possesses. Therefore, how can life be worth living? Here's where life really becomes worth living when you're introduced to the one who calls himself the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. The Bible says, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. That's really where life is found. Life in Christ is an abundant life. You can have a lot of stuff in this life and still miss out on the real fulfillment in life. You remember Jesus said to that woman at the well? He said, if you drink this water, you will thirst again. You can put that over every ambition, every passion that you have. You can drink from this well. You can drink from this well of your academic pursuits. You can achieve many things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what you live for, you will thirst again. You you can put it over this and and try to achieve that. And and hey, it's good to have goals, and it's good to go forward and, and to work hard and all the rest of it. But if that's all that you live for, if this is the end for you, the end all, then you're going to miss real fulfillment that can come through knowing Jesus. Jesus came to give us life. Hey, for a moment, let's test our own hearts, shall we? Don't answer out loud. Just think inside. (laughs) Number one, let me ask you a few questions. Do my thoughts more often run after material things or after God himself? 
What am I thinking about? Secondly, do I ever compromise godly character in the pursuit of material gain? That's something to consider. What are you willing to sell out for? Well, I don't, I don't think I do that, but I might do that. Really? You compromise your godly character, your good name, your integrity for a few more bucks that aren't going to last and really aren't going to provide anything that's going to be lasting? Do I enjoy material things more than I enjoy knowing God? How do I respond when I lose a material thing? What would I do if I suddenly came into a fortune? You ever thought about that? Oh, I know what I do. I give to all the missionaries all over the world. That's what I do. All those children, I just give it all away. Would you really? Is that the first thought? Let's be honest. Don't say it out loud. I know who you are. And you know who you are, and I know who I am. What am I living for today? What am I living for? Maybe a better question could be asked, who am I living for? Who am I really living for? If I'm living for Jesus, that is where the abundant life is found. Following this important principle, Jesus presented an illustration in the form of a parable to solidify this principle. Look at what it says in verse 16. The parable of the rich fool. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? I'm emphasizing the personal pronouns. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus uses here an earthly story or an illustration that true human worth is not in what you possess or what you do not possess. And so he points out this unnamed rich man who had a successful crop. He was prospering, nothing wrong with working hard and and doing well or being successful. This man had a surplus of goods. And so he begins to consider what he will do with it all. But the problem is in the consideration, there's no thought of God. You'll notice at least as I emphasize some 12 personal pronouns, it all had to do with himself. It was all about I, me, my, selfish. If you live a covetous life, it's a selfish life. And he's all thinking about himself and he consults in his own heart. And as he does that, there's no thought of eternity. There's no thought of what's going to happen. He's just making his plans and he's just setting himself up. He's not thinking about the fact that one day his life is going to end. He's going to give an account before the Lord. Also, you might note, he doesn't recognize that where all of those things actually came from. Guys, did you know that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, the book of James tells us? It's all his. It's all a gift from God. He gave it to you. He gave you the ability. He gave you the wisdom. 
He gave you the know-how to do what it is that you do. He gives you breath in your lungs to be able to breathe and your heart beating, all the rest of it. Everything is a gift from God. It is all on loan from him. I, you, we're simply stewards of what belongs to God. It's his. Some people don't realize that they think it's mine. That's mine. Is it yours? Yes. I think it's God's. And he can take it anytime he wants. Be careful. Be a good steward of what you have. Use it for his glory. Don't worship it. Use it for him. Well, this man thought nothing of the fact that what he had was, was of the Lord. He was pretty much a self-made man. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus made this point. He said, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer to those questions is nothing. There's nothing more valuable than your soul. There's nothing more that you could ever do that would replace the value of your soul. It's not worth it. Some people will sell out their soul for temporary fulfillment and it never lasts. The rich man assumes also that he has all the time in the world. Oh, his, his portfolio, it is diversified. He's made the right investments. He's done everything to set himself up and he's just gonna kick back and live and drink and be merry he thinks he's so wise. And many who would look at him would say, this guy's wise. Look how this guy sets himself up. That guy's got, I want to learn what he did. But notice God abruptly interrupts him. Like a thunderclap, bam, Lord speaks and says, you're not as wise as you think. You're a fool. Why was he a fool? Because he had not taken advantage of the provision made for eternity. He was simply living for the temporal, for the material. He had not thought about where he was going to be for eternity. And how sad it is that people can be so blinded today by covetous living, by the material, by the temporal, and it seems so wonderful and so attractive, but as it's been said, all that glitters is not gold. And people try to take hold of it, and they end up in trying to to hold on to their life, they lose it. Jesus said, if you lose it, that's when you find it. You lose your life in him. God said, your life is going to be required of you, your soul. Then what will you do? The person that lives their life only for that which is temporary and not eternal will end tragically. While they're living, they're so often worried about many things. The disciples are listening to this this message of Jesus and they're concerned now. What are we going to do? Jesus now speaks to his disciples about another very important subject that ties in to what he's already said. It's the subject of anxiety. It's the subject of worry. I don't know about a society that has ever been more anxious than the society that we live in. I've never heard about more medication provided for those that are overwhelmed or anxious than in this generation. I don't know that I ever remember hearing about that. But now you do. It's everywhere. We live in a completely medicated society. Now, I'm not saying that certain medications aren't necessary. Please don't say, Pastor said I could throw away all my meds, you know, and then you fall down and have a heart attack. I'm not saying that. Or you trip out and jump through a window. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying there are certain things that in the society that people try to cope with, with certain things that, that God wants to help them overcome, but they lean on these, these other things. That's what I'm saying. There are legitimate cases and there are illegitimate cases. Well, in this case, Jesus, I want you to see what he says about worry. Look at what it says. He said to his disciples. Now he turns to his disciples and he says, therefore, or in light of everything I've just said, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, 
nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, it says, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you're not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Let me ask you something. Did you come in here anxious? Did you come in here worried? Are you troubled? Are you all bound up about something that's going on in your life? I want you to see what Jesus says about worry. First of all, he says, number one, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Jesus isn't saying, you know what? I've been thinking a lot about this. I think you ought to just think about not worrying anymore. No, he says, don't do it. Don't worry anymore. Don't have an anxious mind. Don't get overwhelmed. Why should I not worry, you say? If I don't worry, who's going to worry? I'm worried about that. (laughs) You're troubled by it. You're anxious. There are many reasons why we ought not to worry. First of all, as I said, it's a command from God. Stop doing it. But the second reason why we ought not to worry, look at what it says in verse 22 and 23. Jesus tells us that life is more than the material. When he says, life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. And then he looks at his creation and and talks about how they neither sow nor reap. Here Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry because life is more than the material. The material isn't the end all. That's just part of life, but it's not ultimately life. So you don't have to worry because all of these things are going to fade away one day. Don't get so wrapped up. Keep a light touch, as it were, on the things of this world. You don't have to worry. Life is more than the material, and it's a command from Jesus. But a third reason why you ought not to worry, and I think this is so significant, is that you are valued by God. Jesus points to his creation. He says, look at the ravens. They neither toil nor spin, and and yet God provides for these birds. Aren't you of more value than these birds, is what he says. And the answer to that question is absolutely. You are of more value to the Lord than a bird. And if God cares for these birds, He's going to care for you. Hey, do yourself a favor. Grab some binoculars and go bird watching. Just check out the birds for a while and see what happens. See if they're stressing. See if they're anxious. They're not. I know this for a fact. You say, how? Recently in our neighborhood, somebody moved in three houses down the hill. I mean, they're down a little bit. But one day I heard this noise. And the first thing I thought, a coyote got hold of a cat. Something's dying down there. Well, good riddance. No, if you're a cat lover, sorry. But the thing is, hey, it's the circle of life, man. Mufasa. No, I'm kidding. You know, what I'm saying is, you know, I thought something was dying. I was like, ah, these noises. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. But then it kept on going the next day. And then I thought, that sounds like a child. There's a child in danger there. We ought to go check it out. You know what I found out? It's a bird. It's a bird in somebody's courtyard they leave it outside bring it inside you can hear it all day it travels up it says a few words let me tell you something that bird is not worried about anything he just gets fed every day i've had thoughts about the bird they haven't been jesus thoughts but anyways here's what i know about that bird somebody is taking care of it god provides for it interestingly hey if god provides for that bird Don't you know he's going to provide for you? God loved you so much. He loved us so much that he sent his own son to die. Sent him to die for us. 
handled the greatest problem that we have in humanity, sin problem. And if God took care of that, it speaks of how much we are loved by God. I find if I am worried, if I am anxious, many times I've forgotten how much God loves me. And I need to go back to the cross. I need to be reminded of what Jesus did. And if he handled that, he's brought me this far, he's not gonna drop me off. I'm so glad for that. The Lord didn't say, John, it's been a great 21 years, buddy. The next 20, you're on your own. I'll see you in heaven. Good luck. You know, no, he doesn't do that. I would, that. I would be worried about that. But he doesn't do that. He's brought you this far. He's gonna continue to carry you. He's gonna continue to lead you. You don't have to worry. We also find here that if you worry, make note of this, it is not going to change anything. Look at verse 25. And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious about the rest? I also know this for a fact. You do not grow taller by worrying. I've worried a lot. <laughs> Doesn't help. But the truth is, you, you don't grow when you worry. You're anxious about it and all the rest. It doesn't help. Here's the interesting thing about worry. Many of the things we worry about and are anxious about, check this out, they never happen. But you worry for months, years. You know, it could happen. And it hasn't. And so you're just all torn up and anxious about it. And it never really happens. Worrying doesn't change the situation. For some reason, we think that it does. If I just worry enough, maybe everything will change. Actually, no. If you pray, if you trust the Lord, God can handle it. So many things are out of our control. We think we're in control. We'd like to be in control, but we're not. And you, you never know this more than when you, when you drive with your spouse. You know what I'm saying? You drive with your, you drive, let your wife drive, guys. My wife's a great driver. It doesn't matter. I'm freaked out, you know. I gotta close, I gotta close my, turn the, turn the corner. You're gonna, uh, don't, get over, get over, get over, get over, you know. I'm freaked out, like I'm gonna die. I don't wanna die this way. I know there's an airbag, but I don't wanna go down that way. So I close my eyes. But you know what? Sometimes I think we're that way with the Lord. We're that way with the Lord. There was a sticker many years ago in Christendom. It was the sticker that said, God is my co-pilot. Oh, that's a great sticker. If you have that sticker on your car, go rip it off after church, would you? Because it's unbiblical. You don't want God to be your co-pilot. You understand? You want God to be the pilot. You're the co-pilot. One time a guy in our church, I taught on that and he stuck this magnet on my car. I didn't know it. I had it on there for days. It said, God is my co-pilot. <laughs> One day I was walking, cruising about my house. I'm like, who put that on there, that magnet? <laughs> At least they were listening to the message. <laughs> God's in control. You got to let him be in control. Hey, Lord, do you want to turn here? You, Lord, are you sure you know where you're going? Why are we making a U-turn? How come we're going that way? Lord, can, can I drive? God has his own GPS, God position, satellite. I mean, he knows where he's going. So let him drive. Next point I want to make. If you are worried and anxious, it's an indication of something. Look at what it says in verse 28. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? If you are anxious, if I am worried, it's an indication that I'm not trusting in God. I'm not trusting. It says you have little faith. I mean... God, has God been faithful to you? Yes. Will he continue to be faithful? Yes. 
One of my favorite verses in the Bible is where it says that even when we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God in my life. He is faithful. He will continue. Trust in the Lord. Also make note in verse 29, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink. Don't have an anxious mind. For all of these things, the nation of the world seek after, and your father knows the things that you need. He knows. And when you are anxious and when you're worried, you think he doesn't know. Does he know? Has he looked at this? Does he know what my bank account looks like? Is he aware of the fact that I don't? He knows. And he knows everything that you need. Not necessarily does he give you everything you want. Do you give your children everything they want? Bad parent. Don't give them everything they want because everything they want isn't what they need. You give them what they need. You bless them. You take care of them. You're concerned about them. You have their best interests in mind. It's the same way with our father. He knows what we have need of. And so I need to trust him with that. I need to rest in that. This is a daily walk with Pastor John Randall, who today continued our study of Luke. Would you like to hear this message again? Just go to adailywalk.org or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or call and request a CD copy for a cost of $5 at 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828. Another convenient way to listen to Pastor John is through our mobile app. Be among the thousands that are being encouraged in their daily walk by downloading that today. Find our app by searching for Calvary South OC. Looking for a great devotional to go through here at the beginning of a new year? Allow me to recommend Michelle Randall's new revised A Daily Walk for Women. It's been expanded to 366 daily readings, one devo for each day of the year, reminding you that in Christ, you never walk alone. Jesus is with you every step of the way. You can order it right now for the price of $15 at adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828 and at adailywalk.org. As the Lord leads, we would also appreciate your financial support. We're consistently hearing from people that are being helped through the teaching of God's Word, and your gifts help to make that possible. So thank you for standing with us in 2024. To make a donation today, to help us continue the ministry on your station and others like it, visit adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. And if you're not a part of our online communities, start following us today. Pastor John shares biblical encouragement throughout the week on Instagram at John P. Randall and on Twitter at PJRandall7. Let's return to Pastor John for more about how to eliminate worry from our lives. Finally, in these last few verses, the antidote for anxiety, I think, is seen here. It says, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Don't fear, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide for yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is a kingdom of this world and there is a kingdom of God. 
And there is a battle between the two in a real sense, the flesh and the spirit. How do I overcome? I overcome by seeking the kingdom of God. That's where I want to set my hope, on another kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's the kingdom that I want to live for because the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will eventually falter and they will become the kingdoms of our Lord and he shall reign forever. I want to live for another kingdom. There's a reason, C.S. Lewis made this point, there's a reason why the things in this world do not ultimately satisfy us and why we pursue them more and more because we're not made for this world. We're made for somewhere else. And that is why all that is material, all that is temporal, although it can be a blessing, although it can be used for God's purposes, it does not ultimately satisfy. Only the Lord can satisfy. And thus I want to seek first the kingdom. I also want to keep a light touch on temporary things. And I want to send my treasure ahead. An inheritance, the Bible says, that is incorruptible, undefiled, reserved, First Peter tells us, for us there in glory. Are you sending your treasure ahead? Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Are you being a good steward of what God has provided for you? Whatever God has provided, use it. Be a good steward of it. Some people are imbalanced even in that. Well, it's all going to burn, so it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to, you know, prepare it for burning. No, take care of what God gives you. I'm going to get a new body. I'm just letting this one go. No, take care of what what God gives you. You know what I'm saying? Take care of it. It's a gift. May God help us to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven where nothing can touch it, living for another kingdom in Jesus' name. Next time on A Daily Walk, we're looking forward to the return of Jesus as Pastor John Randall continues through the Bible. This program is brought to you by Calvary South OC and made possible through your generous support.